your rules of engagement? Do you know the parameters of the assignment? Why would you say that, you know, he's untimely? Why would you say that he hasn't finished what he has been? What about Jesus Christ that left this earth at 33? I think John the Baptist died at 29 there about. 29, 30 there about. So we say that they've not, they've not finished what God has brought them here on earth to do. And I think some of these words are not really, really fair to say, right? We must choose to say, Lord, we believe your word. We agree with your word. Hallelujah. We agree with your word. To some of us, we could be giving Satan the credit for what has happened. By saying, why will Satan, you know, why will, you know, Satan take him away? Or why will, because of course we've taught you here that God doesn't do anything evil. Amen. So the easiest culprit will give credit for this that has happened. Is the devil will say, oh, the devil have done it. But we must know the believer in Christ, you know, Satan has no control over such a person. First John, give me first John chapter 5, verse 18. First John chapter 5, verse 18 and 19. A believer, right? Meaning that he is in Christ. 18 to 19 years. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin. But he who has been born of God, born of God, keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. Hallelujah. We know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Hallelujah. I want you to give me that verse 18 in NLT. Yes. Amen. Just we know that God's children, we know that God's children do not make a practice of what? Of sinning. Now, where I want us to lay emphasis is on this scripture that says, for God's son holds them securely. That means that God has the capacity to keep us within the reach of what? Of his protection. Even against sin. And even the consequences of sin. Because he gave us Jesus Christ, isn't it? So, the Bible says, and the evil one cannot touch them. Amen? Satan cannot what? Cannot touch the righteous of God. So if we say that, oh, the devil have done, then we'll be contradicting the word of God and the capacity and the, the integrity of God's word, the integrity and the personality of God. Hallelujah. So do we understand why? We don't know why. But what we, can we do? We can trust what the faithfulness of God in season like this. Hallelujah. We can trust the love of God. We can put our faith and trust in the efficacy of his grace, his love and his mercy towards us who believe in him. Hallelujah. So how do we mourn in this season? See, it is normal to cry. Right? If you feel like crying, of course you cry. If you feel like, you know, it's human. Amen? It's human to express grief. Don't hold on grief. If you hold on grief, it will destroy you. Are we together? So it's not abnormal to grieve as a human being. But how do you grieve? John eleven thirty five. We see Jesus Christ. Is it 35? Yes. John eleven thirty five. Jesus, you know, it shows the humanity of Jesus Christ, right? He wept. When he came to the tomb of who? Of uh, Lazarus. He, he had compassion for him and he wept. Jesus Christ, who is God, wept. You know, he wept. Hallelujah. So it's normal to grieve. It's normal to weep. It's normal to cry. But how do we grieve? How do we mourn? 
but we don't mourn as those without hope. Hallelujah. We don't mourn as what? As those without hope. Without hope. Those who are hopeless are those who are not in Christ. Amen. Those who are hopeless are who? Are those who are not in Christ. And I can assure you today that Pastor Kola Ole is in Christ. Hallelujah. And he's rejoicing in Christ. Hallelujah. He's rejoicing in Christ. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13 to 18, the passage we read earlier on. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know that what will happen to the believers who have died, so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. Amen? We don't grieve like people who don't have hope. There's a grief I will see you grieving. I ask you, do you have hope? Hallelujah. Last week, Pastor K said something that, how will I know that you are born again? That he said something, some people say, if I, when I see you, just know that you should be ready to rejoice. I'll ask you, are you born again? If you say yes, show me you are born again. What do you do? You rejoice. Why do you rejoice? You rejoice because you have an eternal hope. Hallelujah. So we don't grieve people like, you know, people that don't have hope. We don't grieve like unbelievers. We don't grieve like people that don't know Christ. In the midst of our grief and mourning, we allow the Spirit to minister to us. Amen? How do we allow the Spirit of God to help us in our infirmity? We allow the Spirit of God by praying, by giving ourselves to His Word, the assurance of the promises in His Word. We choose to trust what the Word of God is saying. It's in seasons like this that we begin to see some philosophies, some analogies, some conversations that you'll be wondering, ah, you're saying this thing, are you really a believer? Of course, we, we, we could grieve, we could cry, we could express our hearts. But then, we don't do it as people who have no hope. Verse 14. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. Hallelujah. So, this is not a means to an end. Death for the believer is not a means to an end. It's only a transition to a realm that is not earthly, that is not physical. Hallelujah. And that is actually our permanent residence, all of us that are believers. So what happens is that he has just gone before us and time is coming for a reunion. Hallelujah. So we, we rejoice because of this fact that there will be time of reunion. I can't wait for a time of reunion. I don't know whether that's your hope. I don't know whether you're looking in anticipation to a reunion that there will be no end. Glory to Jesus. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living, when the Lord returns, will, will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with a voice of archangel, and with a trumpet call of God. First, the Christians who have died will do what? will rise from the graves. Hallelujah. This is a promise of God's word that is very factual, is very effective, and is very important in our, in our lives. Hallelujah. Verse 17. Then together, together with them, amen, together with them, see, death is inevitable. Amen. 
is either God will come or will go two way. So together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord for some time. For what? Forever. Hallelujah. If this does not excite you, then there's a challenge in your belief and your understanding. Hallelujah. This should do what? This should excite us. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 18. So encourage each other with these words. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor this is not the end. Tell your friend, tell him this is not the end. This is not the end. The Bible says we should encourage each other with these words, right? This is not the end. Hallelujah. So as much as we, 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 we grieve, let's know that we don't grieve as people without hope. Why? Because there's clarity. God didn't leave us in the dark. And say, oh, you know. No, he made it clear to us. Are we together? We are men and women of hope. We will believe in Jesus Christ. That is assurance that we have in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. We must realize that the believer in Christ never dies. John chapter 8 verse 51. John 8 51. See, the believer, by the way, let me use this word. The human spirit does not die. Amen? Spirit don't die and we are spirits. So when a man leaves this earthly body, he returns to his origin, right? To a place, he changed address. The only issue is that our brother is not located on earth anymore. Amen? I tell you the truth. Anyone who obeys my teaching will never what? Will never die. Is he talking about physical death? It's meaning that you will live eternally with God. That's what it means. And the hope we have, the assurance we have in our hearts is that our pastor is a man that believes in this message. Not only that he believes in this message, he lives this message and he teaches us this message. Hallelujah. So is it death? It's only a change of address. And one day we shall see him rejoicing. Hallelujah. John 11, 25, 26. John 11, 25, 26. John 11, 25, 26. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and what? And the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after physically dying. Amen. Anyone who believes in Jesus will do what? Will live. Even after dying. Verse 26. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? And I want to ask you, replace that with your name. Do you believe this, Costin? Do you believe this, Chidi? Do you believe this, Mike? Do you believe that you will never die? Do you believe in this reality that he who lives in Christ, whose habitation is Christ, who believe in the message of salvation will never die? Do you believe in this message? That should, that should, that should instigate us to worship even in the midst of darkness. See, that is why in the midst of, of grief we rejoice because we know that there's hope for the believer. There's hope for the believer. Hallelujah. How do we mourn? We give thanks to God in all situations. That's what the Bible says. We give thanks in all situations. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 16. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 16. We give thanks to God in all situations. 
We give thanks to God in all situations. Always be joyful. 18, 16 to 18. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. What is God's will for us? To pray without ceasing, to rejoice always in all seasons. He didn't say in this season we should suspend rejoicing. I pray that God will lift us to a level of maturity when the midst of these experiences we will rejoice. Hallelujah. And let me prepare your hearts. See, we'll tell you the truth. As a believer, as a human being or not, this will not be the end of mourning people that will die. Do you hear what I said? People will still lose people. I'm not prophesying that here in this church we'll lose people. No. Normal life will mean that we'll live and we'll lose people around us. So in case you're not aware of this, some of us have experienced it before. Very close people to our hearts. Hallelujah. So what do we do? We accept the testimony of God's word in seasons like this. This is what we use to comfort ourselves. We give thanks to God in all situations. And when the Bible says in all seasons, it means in all situations. Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 16. You know, when the prophet here is praying and lamenting and then he went into, you know, Habakkuk 3, 16 to 19. He says, I tremble inside me when I heard this. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me. And I shook in terror. I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us. That's when Israel was invaded. He says, even though the fig tree have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crops fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord. Yes, to 19. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer. Able to tread upon the heights for the choir, the director. This prayer is, okay, hallelujah. So, in the midst of the chaos that we find ourselves, the response of the believer is that of joy. Not joy because of any external circumstance. Hallelujah. But there shall be, we should allow the spirit, and we can only rejoice by the help of the Holy Ghost. We can live with this understanding by the help of the Holy Spirit. So what do we do in terms of money? We rely on the ministry of the Spirit of God. We rely on the ministry of the Spirit of God. John chapter 15 verse 26. John 15 26 expressly gives us what the Holy Spirit does in the life of the believer. That is why we don't mourn like unbelievers because they don't have this advantage. Even as our team this year is what? Life in the Holy Spirit, right? Life in the Spirit. So let's allow the Spirit of God to, to direct our hearts. But I will send you the advocate. Please give me uh, Amplified. The Spirit of Truth, he will come to you from the fire. Yes? But when the Helper, now he helps, that's the response, that's the ministry of the Spirit of God. He helps. And some of us, even if the Spirit wants to help us, we don't want to allow him to help us. You know, so not allowing the Holy Spirit to help your heart hmm, could be rebellion. 
I didn't say it is rebellion, but I said it could be rebellion. But when the helper, the comforter, he's a comforter. He comforts our hearts. That's what he does, right? He comforts our hearts. There's nobody that can comfort you except God himself. Because if somebody tells you he knows how you are feeling, he's, he's just trying to say words that rhymes on the sweet in the air, but it's not true. Nobody can understand how you feel. There's no amount of... Some of you were calling, oh, what happened? This, 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 this. There's no amount of explanation that can be given to you to comfort your heart. Sometimes when you go to the bereaved, it's, it's better to just keep quiet. Silence sometimes is, is better in terms of, of mourning, in terms of bereavement. Because there's no construct of language that you can do to comfort him who is, who is, who is grieved deeply in his heart. Hallelujah. But then we have an advantage. See, we have an advantage. The advocate, the Holy Ghost, who is our comforter, the advocate who intercedes, who counsels us, who strengthens us, who is our standby, who comes, you know, comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is a spirit of truth, who comes from the Father, he will testify and bear witness about me. And he is not on his way coming. Hallelujah. But he has already arrived and he's in us. So we are not saying, Holy Ghost, come and comfort me. No, no, no. He's in you, the believer. This scripture is explaining the time before Jesus Christ died and resurrected, right? That's when he's going and he's giving us a helper. But right now, we have the helper in us. So some of us are not supermen. We are not. Amen? And I'm not saying that if you are not putting a gloomy face, it means that you are not mourning. That's not true. Hallelujah. But you must allow the Holy Ghost to do what? To minister to you. To rely on the help of the Spirit. If you feel your heart is failing you, ask the Holy Spirit, help my heart. Because without the help of the Holy Spirit, you cannot, you can't withstand grief. Whichever form of grief. So we have an advantage. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 3. Second Corinthians chapter 1 verse 3. Say, bless, greatly praise, and adore be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of what? is the God of all comfort. So, our God is a God of comfort, right? He's a God that is able to comfort. When you, when you, when you ask him to help you, to comfort you, he will. He's a God of all comfort. He's, he's, the, he's, the, he's comfort personified. He has a capacity to comfort. The next verse. Who comforts us and encourages us in what? In some few troubles, right? In every trouble. What? This passage is a passage I've been holding up in this season. In every trouble. In every trouble. Not some few troubles. Not the trouble of you not paying your school fees. Not the trouble of you not eating. Not every trouble. God is able to. Even the trouble that you put yourself inside. Hallelujah. Even the trouble that is a product of your own mistakes. He is a God that comforts us in what? He comforts and he encourages us in every trouble so that we will be able to do what? To comfort and encourage those who are in any kind of trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Hallelujah. 
So when you receive the ministry of the Spirit, you are able to bring people to the light of the same ministry of the Spirit, which is comfort. So when people come around you, they shouldn't feel more depressed. Amen? They should feel encouraged by the comfort with which you've been comforted. Hallelujah. Because there's hope. There's hope for the believer. See, God loves us so much, right? That he doesn't even tell us what will happen. He even gives himself to be with us in times of need as this. There's no God that have perfected that than our God. Hallelujah. So God is able to comfort us. He's comforting us. He's comforting our hearts. Hallelujah. So this time of mourning, you know, is a time that we should be able to, you know, take time and evaluate ourselves personally. Someone said something on Monday. He said, See, whenever, not Tuesday, but he told me, say, whenever things like this happen, it's always a time for me to sit back, refresh, and restart my life. In the light of all these things, it's a season for us to do what? To reevaluate ourselves and see it could be anybody, prepared or not prepared, it could be anybody at any time. Hallelujah could be anybody at any time. doesn't matter whether you finish school or not. doesn't matter whether you've married or you're not married. Whether you have children or you don't have children. doesn't matter. So long as it's a time for you, then you have to go home. So, the reflection for us is, you see, death is inevitable. I've said this several times. Death is inevitable. Are you ready to die? I'm not trying to threaten you. <laughs> Sorry. It's not a threat. But I'm saying this with joy in my heart. Are you ready to die? If truly in your heart, the answer is no. Be honest with yourself. Don't, you see, the greatest deceit you can do, right, <laughs> is to lie to yourself. That is the most foolish lying you can lie. Lying to your own self and your conscience. No, come on, you know. It's not a big deal. But deep in your heart, there's fear. Triggering. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 and 2. Give me Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 and 2. Are you ready to die? It's a question that I want you to take home. Ask yourself. Meditate on it. Today, am I ready to die? There is a season, a time appointed for everything and a time for every delight and event or purpose under heaven. A time to be born, Right? And a time to do what? A time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted. And you know what? You and I don't control the time and seasons. Amen? You don't control the time and the season. So what we do is that we prepare for rainy days and we prepare for the summer. We prepare for the winter. Have you ever seen some people saying, ah, let's forward winter. 
Because this winter, last year was so cool, we didn't prepare very well. Let's, let's suspend it till another three months. No, we don't control times and seasons, isn't it? So if you don't control times and seasons, then it is necessary that you prepare. Are you afraid of dying? If yes, then you either have no hope for eternity. This is what it means if you are scared or you are living in fear of dying. It means that you either have no hope at all for where you will be when you die. Or you lack an understanding of what Christ has done for you. And all that Christ has done is what I've expressed and explained earlier on. So the challenge is not about our ah, brother this, our brother that. We could feel his absence physically. Paul will say, ah, I'm contemplated between two opinions. Should I go or should I leave? If I go, it's better for me. But if I stay, it's for what? It's for your good. I will choose to stay because of your own good. That's a man that has an understanding of what life is and what Christ has done. So this situation, this, this, this chaos that we find ourselves in should be able to remodel our thinking and our perception of death. And that will be reflected in the way we mourn the death. And the way we also live our lives as believers. Hallelujah. It's time for everything. Are you so busy with your life, right? That you forget that you can die at any time. You're so busy with your academics. You're so busy with your schooling. You know, you're so busy with, with looking for one job, one qualification to another. The day you drop dead, the best of all the qualifications you have is useless. Nobody will inherit your certificate. Our pastor was doing his PhD. He's supposed to see his supervisor on Wednesday. You couldn't even see him. The master's, the undergraduate is what? Is, even next of kin cannot inherit certificate. Even your next of kin cannot inherit your academic qualification. The worst they can have, or the best they can have, is maybe when you leave the property, wealth, money, and houses, or anything tangible. But intellectual things that we see, therefore, we need to re examine the way we live. And we must redefine value we put on things. Hallelujah. I was, I was telling somebody, I said, see, this, this event just made me begin to look at how our how life is so simple. How life can, can be this snappy. It's just like, like a fleece. You hold it today and then you open your hand and you don't have it. So why do people go about killing because they want to make money? Why do people go about giving up themselves, their eternal you know, security for the sake of things that are not, that are not, what, that are not eternal? Hallelujah. So why do we want to, you know, people fight for things without reason? If today you leave this place without having sense in your head, then I don't know the help that we can give you again. Now, we're not saying that you should leave what you're doing and, and, and no, no, no. There must be a balance to how you live have proper perception to the things that are on the earth. 
Haleluya. The greatest assurance is to be born again. The greatest assurance is for you to be born again. You are seated here. Are you born again? That is that is the that is the insurance policy that you can have for your eternity. You should be insured for eternity so you can live the life on earth properly. John chapter 3 verse 3 John chapter 3 verse 3 Jesus answered him I show you the Muslim say to you unless a person is born again reborn from above spiritually transformed renewed sanctified he cannot ever see and experience the kingdom of God move to verse 9 verse 9 Give me a new King James verse 9. From verse 9. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? How can these things be? Right? Verse, continue, verse 10. Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly I say to you, We speak what we know and testify what we have seen. And you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who come down from heaven, that is the son of man, who is in heaven, the next verse. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Hallelujah. So how do we have eternal life? By believing in Jesus Christ. By putting our trust in Jesus Christ. Verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But have an eternal life. Verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe in him, who believes is what is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. The last verse here, verse 19. And this is a condemnation. Now, if you're feeling fear in your heart that you don't know, you're not ready to die, or you don't want to die, or you're not prepared I'm not saying that you should want to die. I'm not saying that you should want to die. But I'm saying that if you have doubts in your heart, this is a condemnation that the light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So what you do is that you open yourself up to what God has offered. Receive, believe in Jesus Christ. That is, that is the assurance we can have. That is the insurance policy that we can have for our eternity. Romans chapter 10 verse 9. 13. Romans 10 verse 9 to 13. Romans 9 10 to 13. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, what do we confess is the Lord Jesus Christ. Confessing the Lord Jesus means accepting, acknowledging him and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. 
you will be saved. When you believe in what Christ has done, him coming to die for our sins, him coming to die for the forgiveness of our sins, you believe in your heart, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Hallelujah. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. Verse 13. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall what? Shall be saved. Hallelujah. The message has been laid before you. The contract for your insurance has been placed before you. You sign this contract by believing in what Christ has done. And you have eternal security. Hallelujah. And if this is your reality, then you are very, very full of hope. There's security, there's guarantee that on the resurrection day we shall see him. We will not only see Jesus Christ, but we will see our brother in the Lord. We will see all the saints that have slept in Christ. This should be a motivation for us to look into the future without fear. Amen? As a Christian, how are you living your life now? Are you doing the Father's will? Psalms 90 verse 20, verse 12. Psalms 90 verse 12. Give me TPT. You have TPT. Psalms 90 verse 12. I'm talking to believers now. How are you living your Christian life? Help us to remember that our days are numbered. And help us to interpret our lives correctly. Set your wisdom deeply in our hearts so that we may accept your correction. Teach us to number our days that we may apply wisdom in the way we live. You don't have forever to live on earth. The number of time you have on earth is insignificant to eternity that you have. Hallelujah. So that which God has apportioned to you as a purpose to do, you ought to do it with every sense of seriousness. Amen? Because if God has given you life, he has given you salvation, he has given you health, you have a responsibility. The primary responsibility of the believer is to preach Christ. Hallelujah. It's not to look for money. It's not even to build a career. So if you're not doing what God has called you to do, remember that you don't have forever to live. When you stand before God, you're going to account for what he has asked you to do with your life. The gospel, the gospel message is implicative. In a sense that you believe it and then you are safe and you have a responsibility to also preach the same to others. So necessity is demanded, is placed on you to do or to preach the gospel because there's no time. That's what I'm seeing. There's no time. There's no time. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15. So be very careful how you live. Not being, not being like those with no understanding. There are people that are believers. They are living as though they don't have understanding. 
but live honorably with true wisdom for we are living in evil times take full advantage of every day as you spend your life for his purpose every single moment of your life must be taken you know for the things of God must be used take advantage of every single day and don't live foolishly for then you will have discernment to fully understand God's will Amen. Verse 18. And don't get drunk with wine. You know, some of us, we party to stupor. And we forget about the reality of life. Don't get drunk with wine. Any, not only wine. Anything can get you drunk. Not only wine. Anything can get you drunk. Life can, You can just be drawn in life. Pursuit of things that are you know, the more you chase money, the more money run away from you, you know. Obsession for things. You want this, you want that, you keep looking for this, or you want to move from this location to that location until this, 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 this. Live as a man of understanding. Don't get drunk with wine, which is rebellion. Instead, be filled with the fullness of who? Of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. The fullness of the Holy Spirit will direct every single step we take and the conduct of our lives on earth. And your hearts will overflow with a joyful song to the Lord Jehovah. Keep speaking to each other with words of scripture, singing the psalms with praises and spontaneous songs given by the Spirit. Hallelujah. Always give thanks to the Father, God, for every person he brings into your life. Shall I read that again? Always give thanks for who? To the Father, God, for what? For every person he what? He brings into your life in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not only when they are gone before you begin to give thanks and honor them. If you don't honor and respect and dignify and value any man that God has brought around you, what's the point doing it when the person is no more? Always give thanks to Father God for every person he brings into your life. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21, the last verse. And out of your reverence for Christ, be supportive of each other in love. Hallelujah. In a season like this, it's not time to what, to sideline yourself. It's time to be supportive one to another. It's time to be available for people. And I mean available to people. It's time to make yourself available for people. Comfort them. Be around them. Some of us may be very busy now, but look out for one another. Make sure that people in your cell, how are they doing? People in your community, how are they doing? How are they feeling about this? It should be a culture of the church. We don't only rejoice with each other, but we also mourn with each other. We pray with each other. We, we, we celebrate with each other. We cry with each other. In all situations, we are all together. Hallelujah. So as a church, we remain committed one to another. In the fire, we are together. In the rain, we are together. So whatever your experience is, please don't, don't keep it to yourself. Whatever your heart is, speak to somebody. Speak to us. All right? Communicate your feelings and, your, and what is burning in you. Finally, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. 
give me an NLT, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, NLT. We're going to read this chapter and then we, we end this session. Amen. <laughs> it says, Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your Creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and say, Life is not pleasing anymore. Remember him before the lights of the sun, moon, and stars is dim to your old eyes and rain clouds continually darken your sky. Remember him before your legs, the guards of your house, start to tremble and before your shoulders be strong. The strong men stoop. Remember him before your teeth, your few remaining servants stop grinding and before your eyes the women looking through the window see dimly. Remember him before the door to life's opportunities is closed and the sound of work fades. Now you rise at the first chirping of the birds but then all their sounds will grow faint. Remember him before you become fearful of falling and worry about danger in the streets. Before your hair turns white like an almond tree in bloom. And you drag along with your energy like a dying grasshopper. And the copper berry no longer inspires sexual desires. Remember him before you near, before you near the grave. Your everlasting home. When the mourners will weep at your funeral. Yes, remember your creator now while you are young. Before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the poly is broken at the well. For then the dust will return to the earth and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher. Completely meaningless. Keep this in mind. The teacher was considered wise. And he taught the people everything he knew. He listened carefully to many proverbs, studying and classifying them. The teacher sought to find just the right words to express truth clearly. The words of the wise are like cattle prods, painful but helpful. Their collected scenes are like a nail-studded stick with which a shepherd drives the sheep. But my child... Let me give you some further advice. Be careful. For writing books is endless. And much study wears you out. We must pass your exams. That's the whole story. Now, this is a summary of everything, right? That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands. For this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. Sila.
Can I have the pastors on the podium, please?